the last exciting episode of A Cast of the Past, one Ryan McNulty talked about his favorite games and movies from 2019 because people, it can't always be about the 90s and the early 2000s. So in this episode, it's my turn. It is Juan Velas' turn. Feels weird to talk about myself in third person, but I'm going to be talking about my favorite video game things because I think that 2019 for me was a video game heavy year. And you can check out a brand new episode of A Cast of the Past each and every Sunday with Keith Hamilton from London, Ontario. I know you, you weren't ready for that, were I you? I wasn't. Keith? You caught me totally off guard. I was going to make some joke about video games, but I have nothing right now. What do you think about uh, Ryan's favorite stuff from the year? There was a lot of things I wasn't expecting on there, and uh, it left me with a few things to check out, especially in the movie department, because admittedly I was pretty light in the movie department on uh, in 2019. So I've got a list. I'll check it twice. I know he's naughty, and I'll be nice. Wow. Now we got naughty Ryan McNulty from Boston, More like Massachusetts. Ryan McNaughty, Ryan. am I right, ladies? Oh, yeah. Ryan, how do you feel about the fact that Keith has done a pretty good job at trying to pull away himself from WoW Classic, but then you've persuaded him to contemplate playing that? You know... When it comes to Blizzard games, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like being in the mafia. When you think you're out, they pull you back in. You see, there's no escape. Here's the thing: he's done a good job, but you could just say the word Strathom to me, and I would be like, "Yeah, I gotta play WoW Classic. Let's let's go raid it. What's what's Balthazar doing these so days?" So, really, you didn't do all that much. You just kind of threw out a couple words. No, in there. all all you have to do is just get the ball rolling and it will will snowball on its own all of a sudden he's watching some a youtube video about you know the top 10 classic dungeons or something and then he's down the rabbit hole once again i may or may not have a tab of mmo champion open right now (laughs) oh no keith pull yourself (laughs) away man because i'm gonna start with something that i i I know for a fact you're gonna talk about this next week because I'm not going to have it be my number one because you're going to do a way better job of talking about this game than I am. But the Resident Evil 2 remake oh. is the first thing I got to bring up because oh we've had a chance so to good. review the original game. It's available in the archives. We talked about the PS1 game. But in addition to that, we did have a chance to lightly react to this one. And I'll be part of the bunch that when I saw it visually, I'm like, awesome. But it looked like it was going to be far too much of an action oriented game. You look at the original game with its tank controls and everything, and all of a sudden, they changed it to an over-the-shoulder view, and you can understand, you know, why people would be so concerned about it, but I think that, much like we talked about this back then, this is going to be the perfect example of, hey, you can remake a game and change the gameplay. You know, next year, we're going to have the Final Fantasy VII remake, which at some point, we're going to reference, and I think that this game even though it's obviously made by different companies, et cetera, it laid to rest the fact that, no, you don't need to just have it be turn-based. You don't just have it need to be tank controls because the original one was. Because guess what? At the end of the day, if you want to play the original RE2 with tank controls, that's available on pretty much everything. It's it's even on the GameCube. People forget that version came out on the GameCube, right? But uh, I think that it is so important to talk about that because I had such a blast, even though... I was very much afraid horror games are not my thing. We've talked about Silent Hill 2 this year as well. And I, I needed to like just, take just off my headphones. Let me say two or two words or one name. Mr. X. Oh, yeah. Hell no, man. Like, I streamed that game. I, I streamed RE2, the remake, a couple of times. Literally, almost every time that he came up, 
I would pause the game and talk to the chat for a while only to hide the fact that I'm like, man, because you don't know where he's going to come from. The fact that he can sneak into every room, right? If you're not careful, except the save rooms, it always lets you know, like, you can just be a second away from dying. And if he's in the room that you want to get to, then you got to think about, like, what are you going to do? And then in addition to that, the fact that you can choose, you know, one of the two runs. I still haven't done my Leon run, which I really need to get to eventually, but it's the rare occurrence of a game that I bought day one and I beat it in about a month, about a month and a half. And at no point was I forcing myself to, to continue to beat the game, despite the fact that it's not even a genre that I play a lot. Ryan, I wanted to take it to you because you said around that point that you may be contemplating playing that game. Now that we're talking about like end of the year, games are dropping in price. I mean, I think I saw it on Black Friday for like 15 bucks based on the original RE2. Are you thinking about possibly playing this one? Definitely down the line. I wouldn't say I'm in a hurry. I kind of said before that I'm actually kind of more interested to check out Resident Evil 3 just because coming from the Silent Hill background, I kind of want me some tank controls and some old school gameplay because I really kind of dig. Yeah, I kind of dig that style. I do want to check out that the remake eventually, though. I think 2020 might be the year where I finally get a a PS4, which I know is hilarious because... Considering the PS5 will be out in November. (laughs) Yeah, but who cares? Or, you know, I think down the line I may look into, you know, one of the streaming gameplay services or whatever. So, I'm sure it'll be available on something like that eventually. So I'd be I'd be happy to check it out. I, I would say I'm not in a rush, but I do want to play it. And Keith, I know you're going to do a much better job of yeah. talking about this game next I week. I don't right? want to say too much, but I agree <laughs> with everything yeah. he said. Keith, breathe deeply. It'll only take yeah. a week, let, okay? And then you can let it all let's out, Let's call baby. this part one. Part one or, or, or part one. Yes. Huh? Huh? Or this let's, is let's one. On this is one A, and then it's Keith B for the. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I'm in right one. I like that. I like that. Okay, so number two. So I love the Nintendo Switch. I think that this is the year that it definitely proved it has long-lasting legs. Now I think that next year, 2020, the fact that we have Scarlet, the PS5 coming out, it is going to be very interesting to see how Nintendo really fares with that, right? Because instead of putting out a Switch Pro, they put out a smaller Switch and revised the one that came out this year with a better battery life. But if there's one thing that I love about the Switch is the fact that they are cartridge-based games. So I read an article two weeks ago that at first glance, it seemed to be very positive, but then when you actually read the words, it stated that the PS5 discs are so durable, they're gonna last 50 years. At first glance, you're like, hey, that is awesome, 50 years, wait a minute. What are you implying? If 50 years for a disc is good, what does that say about PS1, 2, 3, PS4 discs? I have a couple of games that have stopped working because the the discs, they actually, they grow mold inside of them. You don't see that. They're not super obvious. So the fact of the matter is that in the video version, you see my video game collection, in 50 years, a lot of these games are not going to work. But when it comes to the Nintendo Switch, the N64, NES, Super Nintendo, etc. Because they're cartridge-based, it means they're going to have long-lasting legs. And well, one thing that I love about the Switch... Kind of. Well, they're, they're, they're going to last pretty good. You you can fix them up. Like, 
in comparison to discs, like I live in Puerto Rico, very humid weather, and it is not disc friendly. But I know that some people complain about the limited run games or strictly limited games, all these exclusive things. The good thing about them is that they put out, usually they'll put out the games with the DLC pre-installed on the cartridge. So that means no day one download, no anything like that. You know, they already announced that Battleborn, uh, the, the game from the Borderlands people, that's going to be going offline in 2021. But the fact that I have, you know, games like uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, you know, this is not a limited run game, but I love playing this game. And the fact that it's cartridge based means that there's a higher probability that that game's going to be good, right? But then uh, Rogue Legacy, this is one of my favorite indie games of all time. Uh, that's available on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, that one, no patches. Because it's a limited run thing, they take their time to make sure that the game doesn't need any additional updates. And people, do you remember there used to be a time where you could put a disc inside of a console or a cartridge and it didn't need to do a day one download? Do you I guys remember that? I that a lot. Yeah. I really miss that. I, I try to remember it, but I was too busy flipping my PlayStation 1 upside down because that's the only way it would read a disc. <laughs> like how many times have you gone to a friend's house it's a new game you just want to pop it in and play it and it's like oh we got to wait about an hour and a half before we can play oh, it because it's, it's going to install this it's thing it's the worst feeling it's uh last year red dead 2 it happened to me where i went i got it day one i was so excited to play red dead boom came home it had like a two-hour install onto the ps4 and then you had to patch the game after the install which was like another two hours it's gotten out of hand yeah, man. I was playing uh, PS3 like two days ago as the re this recording session. I decided to pop in a little game called Metal Gear Solid 4. Ah, the guns of the Patriots. I played about 30 minutes of it, and it took me about an hour and a half to be able to do so. Because that game, it required you to download. You could either install the different acts that it had, or you could uh, do it individually. But even then, it was like, wait time, 40 minutes. I'm like, 40 freaking minutes? Not, not to even download a patch. It is in the disk. It is installing it into hard drive. So it's freaking insane. But uh, yeah, the, the limited run stuff, the Nintendo Switch cartridges, I'm, I'm a fan of those. I know that it's still easier because it's portable, right? Like the digital route, I get it. And I do have a couple of digital games. But whenever I can, I definitely try to go physical because like, look, I want to be able to own games 50 years from now. So I'm like, hey, I spent money on that. You know, I, I don't want to chug out my 360 that has a couple of games there that I can't play on my Xbox One. And I paid my hard-earned money. I used that to buy those games. So I think that's kind of bullcrap. Yeah, and I know we, we kind of had this discussion before about the whole physical versus digital games. So if you want to hear us talk more about that, there is an episode on the archives, but I'm very much on your side, Juan, where I try to get as many physical copies as I can, but you and I both know we're, we're fighting a losing battle. Things are becoming more and more digital, and we just own less and less stuff. Yeah, yep. it's sad. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens next year because it's pretty much happening, right? The, the, the whole digital transition, and I think it's only going to get worse and worse. Now, for an honorable mention, I do want to bring up a movie, uh, pretty mainstream, so let's talk about Joker for a few minutes. It's an honorable mention because here's what I got to say about the movie. It is an incredible movie. It is not the best superhero movie, and it's not a great villain movie. So taking it to the villain, 
when you think about Marvel, DC, you have the good guys, you have the bad guys. And I think that the problem with this movie is they made the bad guy to be so good because of trauma, because of everything he he went through, that you can't help but feel bad for him, right? And I'm not saying that that's bad, but when I go to a superhero movie, I I expect to want to go out and see and, me, and have me hate this person, right? I want to be able to punch him in the face. And the fact that I saw Joker and I'm like, look, he can kill somebody, but I'm just going to feel bad for him. Like, look at everything he went through. And I think that there is a limit that a company should go for. But I think that because like they have no intentions as of now, because uh, money talks, but they don't seem to have any intentions of doing follow-up movies or like an entire trilogy based on this Joker. There were rumors a couple of weeks ago, but apparently those were not true. Like, I'm okay with it. But I think that when you remove the fact that this is DC, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne, blah, 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 and you take this movie for what it is, I love the psychological thrill ride that it had. The fact that it's not so much about mental health, although like obviously that is a main thing. It's just like, look, like just overall, when people go through so much shit in their lives, some people break. And, it, and it's not justifying their actions. It's not saying like, look, like, haha, you know, he can get away with everything because he was bullied. But life isn't black or white. We obsess so much about people being good or people being bad that it's like, look, even the best person in the world, you know, can give all the money to charity. They're probably shitty at something in their lives. Like you look at Keith Poshik, right? Keith is an excellent human being, but Keith, man, like he's got to have some shady stuff in his life, but we love him for it. You know, what did you guys but think about Joker? that's not Keith Hamilton. No. Yeah, that's not, not Keith Poshik Hamilton. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that guy's gone. But yeah, so uh, I, what I did saw, you think about that? I saw Joker and I, I did enjoy it very much. Uh, I I see where you're coming from. I think what was really stupid with this movie was all the all the news articles and everything before it was coming out that whole media circus was completely off about what this movie was actually about because it really more touched on the failings of a society for not you know taking care you know not taking care of the less fortunate among us and what can happen you know is more kind of a commentary on how crime and you know what you know the consequences of of ignoring those who are less fortunate, you know, and I think it does a good job of that. It's not this whole thing that they tried, you know, the media tried to make it into something and it wasn't, but on its own, I, I think it is a, a very interesting movie. Like you said, it is unfortunate that they aren't really going anywhere with this because you get a really close look at a, at a villain that you don't typically ever see. And then we don't get to see him face off against Batman, which is pretty disappointing in my opinion, especially considering that they involve the, the Wayne family in this movie. So they really tease it and then they're not going to deliver. But that aside, it was a phenomenal performance by Joaquin Phoenix. And I, I did find it very, you know, I don't, I didn't find myself, I mean, you do sympathize with him, but it's not like I liked him based on his actions. It was more like shocking and just, yeah. That's what I've heard You're a lot just kind about of a disbelief because yeah. I haven't seen Joker yet. It's something that I kept wanting to go to the theater and see, but just never got around to it. And a lot of people say it's just like, it's I think it's still in theaters, believe it or not. Probably. Yeah, I mean, at, least it's, at least in some. 
Yeah, and a lot of people just say it's very shocking. Everybody I ask about it, it's like, well, you won't expect it, is what they pretty much say every time I ask about it. But I find it so interesting because even though this is a movie about the Joker, never once had I con- even considered that there would be a confrontation with Batman in it. Just because of the way that it's framed, the way that uh, it was kind of marketed, and then everything you hear about it. The thought of Batman being in it never even crossed my mind. So I can't even say I would be disappointed about that. Yeah, and the reason that it's an honorable mention for me is that more so than the movie, the water cooler talk involved with it is just far more fascinating to me. Ryan, you brought up the whole like newspaper articles. I mean, they were basically putting out this movie to be like, hey, we're condoning murder. Like that was the the aspect that was built before the movie came out. But afterwards, then you have people that are all of a sudden mental health experts. Like I work in the mental health field on a personal level. And it's fascinating, you know, to see like everybody all of a sudden become an expert. It's like, look, there's a lot of bad people in the world, but they they weren't necessarily built as bad people. They just went through a lot of shitty, miserable, horrible situations. And there is like the whole adapt or perish mentality, right? Like some people ultimately adapt to the situation and become what they hate. And some people just like don't, you know, live a, a successful life. So that's why I thought it was worth pointing out. And I, I would love to get some feedback about this. Like now that the honeymoon period of the movie has ended and the glorification of it, right? It's like, what do people think about it now? I, I would love to know that. And uh, just like like a quick tidbit, not even going to say like disappointment or just like a, like a thing that I'm looking forward to 2020 is video game streaming services. So on the disappointing side of things, I've just not agreed with the way that uh, Google Stadia has worked. The fact that you have to pay a monthly fee, you know, there's the founders In the pack. video version, this is where we show a dumpster fire because that's the Google Stadia. Yeah, it's like they promise 4K quality, 4K visual games, but they're not delivering that. They're outputting it 4K like without getting all technical. Basically, most people agree it's something that down the line, it absolutely makes sense because when it works, it works. But you're paying for something that not only do you not own, it's not even in your home. And I think that Netflix, you're not paying for the service to then buy the movie, right? So I'm okay with the fact that I don't own, you know, the office on Netflix, but, the big but I can difference stream it. There is that if you go on Netflix and you want to watch the office, you're not paying $60 just to watch the office. Yep. And I think that's something that Stadia is getting wrong horribly, miserably. I love the idea of Stadia, but it's just unfortunate the way that they've rolled it out. And I'm I'm with you where I hope in 2020 the promise of streaming really gets there. Yeah, and uh, PlayStation now did drop their service. So now it's like 10 bucks a month, pretty much competes with uh, Xbox Game Pass. Now, I can't talk too much about it, but on the flip side of, about this, and then I'll get to my, my number one, I have had a chance to play Project xCloud, which is Microsoft's offering for game streaming. So you can stream either from your phone to your console right now it's android only it's a game preview or you can connect directly to their servers and there you have a library of games like game pass games are going to be available there so right off the bat the fact that like you don't have to buy every game individually i don't see a scenario where unless stadia adapts like they are going to perish and all i'm going to say is in a span of 10 minutes i went from i don't give a crap about video game streaming services to 
this is an actual viable option. Not for every video game genre, but the fact that I've been able to play a couple of games and I'm like, hey, it's fascinating. You know, we had a couple of friends over and the fact that I had a like little stand so I could connect my Xbox controller to my phone. And I'm like, hey, what do you want to play from Xbox? And I could just hand them my, my, uh, my phone and they could not understand what was happening. Like seeing that expression was fascinating and it, it should only get better with like the PS5, Scarlet, and especially when, when fiber, you know, internet becomes more widely available. I'm, I'm, Definitely very curious about these streaming things. Like I said, I don't, aside from the Switch, I don't own any of the new consoles. So I'm kind of in the market for an option like this, potentially. I know this kind of goes against the whole physical copy thing, but I'm also just trying to see what's a, what's a service in which I could play some of these titles I've just haven't been able to access. It's fascinating. And I can't wait to see what happens uh, next year. Now, as a transition, my number one has to be Xbox Game Pass oh, Ultimate. So yes. there's a, as somebody that in my personal yes. channel, I talk about this and people are still like not yes. super clear about this. Keith and I love the service. So what it is, is that for 15 a month, you get Xbox Game Pass on your console, on PC, and it includes Xbox Live for your console. Unlike a cloud, unlike PlayStation Now, everything is downloaded. So you're not streaming anything. So it's like, if you see Gears 5 on Xbox Game Pass, you download it, and it's the full game. Like, that's the way it works. So it's it Netflix in terms of, like, delivery, but you do have to download everything. So... The, the huge deal is like, look, games like Gears 5, you could get at day one, whether it be on PC, on console, the fact that my wife and I played Horde together, and it's like she's on her computer, I'm on my console, we don't have to pay, uh, we didn't have to pay 60 bucks a pop, we, we're just subscribed to Game Pass, that was mind-blowing. Yeah, the, the fact that Keith and I, for example, can have the same game on Game Pass, and if it's multiplayer, I don't have to ask Keith to buy the game. When you think about those little scenarios, that's where it becomes mind-blowing because it's like, hey, if a new four-player co-op game is going to be coming out next week, guess what? We can play it. On, on the PC side of things, it's still in preview as of this recording, but they do have an exclusive offering. Uh, one of the recent examples is, uh, oddly enough, an older game from 1999, Age of Empires 2. They came out with a definitive edition. They redid everything from scratch, the graphics, the music, and the fact that it's a game that I was already going to buy. It's Age of Empires, one of my top five, right? But it's like, I'm already subscribed to Game Pass. All I got to do is hit the download button. So I've been able to, to beat multiple games. I've been able to stream games, play games with friends in extra live marathons. Like, this is awesome for that. The fact that um, a couple of days ago, somebody tweeted me like, hey, I bought the digital only version of Xbox, uh, the Xbox One S. I get Game Pass. It's like... The fact that you can get a console and right off the bat, as long as you have a good hard drive, you can download a good 20 to 30 games, if not more. It's incredible. It's just insanely mind-blowing. To me, Game Pass is the future of video games. It's I'm saying this as of right now with the new consoles being about a year away, where unless Sony gives me something that is comparable to Game Pass, I think that it is a strong enough thing that it is going to sway me over to the Xbox for the next console generation. Just because of the promise of Game Pass is just so incredible. It's taking away, like, not every game is going to be on it. There's 
and like all of the third party stuff, you'll probably never see it day and date. But Game Pass is perfect for those games that you look at and you're like, well, I want to try it, but I don't really want to spend money on it. Eventually, if you wait long enough, that game is going to be on Game Pass. And that is the perfect place for that to be. And some of the offerings that they have on there are incredible. It is more than worth the money, even if you just have a PC. Just the PC version of Game Pass at a discounted rate is worth the money. It's like five bucks right now. Yeah, yeah and it's going to be ten later. It's it's a great service. In my opinion, it's the future of video games. It's going to... It's the thing that I wish Stadia had. And I think it's a huge, huge missing piece. Like, yeah, I know they have that Stadia Pro, but it's just not there at the same level. And that's what I'm looking forward to the most in the future when it comes to video yeah, games. Yeah, so something I wanted to just say for the podcast, even I know, Ryan, you you don't have access to an Xbox One, right? I mean, I have access to one, but mm-hmm. I don't own one. Okay. But here's the amazing thing. The same way we've talked about Disney Plus, it's like, hey, the fact that if you want to review a series or a movie from that, we know that all our viewers and listeners can also check it out. We could do something like that with Game Pass, right? Imagine a scenario where, hey, three months down the line, we're going to review X game. The fact that you don't need to ask people to buy the game, the fact that the three of us don't need to contemplate buying the game, it's like, hey, if you're subscribed, you can play this game, we can talk about it on the Discord, acastofthepast.com slash Discord, and then we can review it on the podcast. Like, I think this book club, game club mentality is accentuated with this because, once again, if you have a great, if you have a, a friend and they have Game Pass, you can play the same game or play uh, two single yeah. player games and talk about. There's that. no, um, there's no like fee for entry minus your subscription. Uh, Gears Five, like Juan mentioned, is a perfect example for that for me. Where I love Gears of War, I would never go out and buy another Gears of War game, but because it's available in Game Pass, it was a day one download for me. Now I can play as Batista yep. all I want. <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing and then uh for favorite podcast episodes so ryan brought up his uh last week talking about see no evil for me much like ryan i think we went into into this episode thinking that oh we're just gonna make fun of it but spider-man 3 so we we reviewed the overall spider-man trilogy the toby mcguire one and i love the fact that like we started with like this positive mentality of like hey the first one's pretty good you know, people talk about the second one, but eventually we're going to get to the third three. one. <laughs> and even then, the fact that the three of us, we've witnessed this evolution, right? And I'll never forget that part where I'm writing to Ryan, like, I don't hate this movie yet, Spider-Man yeah. 3. And then he was like, just wait for it. The <laughs> yep. fact that we're able to like have that live reaction of the entire trilogy, and it's easy to look at the last movie and only make fun of it. But we had like a solid conversation of the first hour of the movie of like, look, the first hour is objectively maybe the best Spider-Man movie. Now, afterwards, it's freaking horrible. Yeah, and you I've should never not seen watch a movie it. fall apart so fast. Yeah. But yeah. my God, does it it's do It's like it? an accident on I-90. <laughs> yeah, like, like see no evil, for example. Like that was just bad, right? Like at no point I'm like, oh man, the cinematography, oh that acting, right? It's like the the Spider-Man trilogy, especially with three, you can pick and choose some actually good things about it. And I think that for podcast discussion was fun for me, right? Because 
it's not just like, well, I'm just going to crap on this. It gets old after a while. And even the worst movie, except See No Evil, has some kind of redeeming quality. <laughs> I don't know. Right? You, you've seen that end credit scene for See No Evil. I'd call it redeeming. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man 3 was definitely fascinating, like you said, just because it starts out so good. And then you, th- you see things just fall apart. And of course, how could we forget the most amazing moment of that film of just when Harry has the pie, right? <laughs> I mean, that was just... It was the birth so of James cool. Franco. Yep, that was the most James Franco-ass thing I've seen in the entire trilogy. But uh, I'm really happy we, we've had a chance to do this podcast. Like, uh, I think that overall, 2019, realistically for me, was not a year to play and watch a lot of things from this year. I focus mainly on on Wii U, uh, PS3 games, like retro style games on the Switch. So next year is going to be that dramatic shift, right? Because earlier in the year, you have Final Fantasy VII Remake. At the end of the year, you have PS5 and Scarlet. So it's like in some form, there's going to be something new that you have to experience, right? Like in the middle of the year, you have E3, which is only going to bring up and how more can we stuff. Forget Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Animal Crossing. Animal yeah. Crossing. The Last of Us Two, which I'm just going to say now, uh, it's one of the games that I I kind of hope we review at some point. That's going to be coming out of May. Like I haven't beaten the first game, but it's like those little things that 2020 can be. I don't know about for for movies and series, but for for games, man, it's going to be a really I powerful. Got some, year. I got some ideas. I got some thoughts. We should talk about it. I'm That's afraid. It. I'm afraid. But R- Ryan called us out last time for bringing them up on the podcast. So, Ryan, all I'm going to say is give us a shout out. Where can people find you on social media and what makes you smile? People can find us on social media at a cast to the past, whether it's youtube.com slash a cast to the past or twitter.com slash a cast to the past. What makes me smile? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. Wait, Keith, I'm concerned. I know. Ryan it's, cannot it's, name something we're that makes him December, smile. We're in December. It's snowing. It's hard. It's tough to smile when you have to shovel your car out of the snow in the oh, morning. All right. Tell me about it. I got to shovel the rain. I got to shovel the oh, rain, man. You shovel rain? I hope that mosquito <laughs> bites you. <laughs> oh, man. It takes some skill. It takes some skill. That, that, that's that's all I'm maybe saying, the but. stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Can somebody make a, uh, an actual like animated picture or something of me shoveling rain? I really want to see that. But uh, up until next time, next week, oh man, next week it's gonna get dark. It's gonna oh, get cold hearted because gonna have, Keith, we're gonna have some fun next week. Oh boy, Ryan, uh, rest. We're gonna need the energy. We gotta buckle up for this one. Another I feel like I'm going to disappoint with all of this anticipation, but I won't. Keith, like this has been the definition of our 15-year friendship, though. Yeah, sure. So let's talk about my three favorite things of 2019 to really summarize our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> On a cast. <laughs> to the past. <laughs> love you guys. Well, oh, I guess I love you too.